0: Thank you for downloading the podcast edition of the Community Baptist Church. For Sunday, December the 9th, our pastor, Dr. Tim Hobbs, will be speaking on preparing for Christmas. The scripture reading is Matthew 3, verses 1 through 12. Our choir will be singing an anthem called, Sing We of the Holy Birth. This will be accompanied by a flute solo by Becky Hudson. Leading our of for children this morning is Reverend Mary Rye. We now unite with the service in progress.
1: Open. I love you, see you
2: Waiting is hard in a fast-paced society. We want the stoplight to change quickly, the grocery line to move fast, and the Christmas morning to arrive soon. We forgot that before good things happen, preparations must be made.
0: Today we light the candle of peace, knowing that Jesus alone can make us feel at rest in this chaotic world. He calms our hearts as we await his second coming. In Philippians 4, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. May God grant us peace as we await for Christ's glorious return.
2: Dear God, give us the gift of Jesus and the Spirit so that... Our hearts can be calm and peaceful. Help us to know how close you are to us all the time. And help us to show you and your peace to other people too. Amen.
3: Over this way, it looks like Miss Mary Rye is going to be with you today. If you can come over in this area and be ready for that, if you need to have somebody to come with you. That's okay, particularly if you've never been here before. You may want to help somebody find the spot over here. I want to remind you about our party Friday night. I need names if you're going to be with us in our Christmas party. You need to tell me your name today before you leave, where we don't know how many we're going to do for all these cool things that they're planning.
2: Good morning. I got my Sundays and Advent all mixed up. And you'll know this next week when we celebrate the Advent candle of joy. Well, I thought this was the Advent candle of joy week. Um, But we're going to talk about joy. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible about joy. Um, And there are lots of verses in the Bible about joy. One of my most favorite is this one. And you all will recognize this one. In the regions there were shepherds in the fields feeding their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, for you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to all whom God favors. I bring you good tidings of great joy. The angels are showing up saying, i got good news for y'all and you all are going to be darned excited about it. That's what joy is. Joy is one of those things that that is good news. Good news. If I came to you tomorrow and said... You don't have to go to school the rest of the entire school year and you can just jump into your next grade level. Would that be good news? Yeah. I would be bringing you good tidings of great joy. The coming of of Jesus, the birth of Jesus is even better than that. If I came to you tomorrow and said, I'm giving you A $100 million, and you can just go buy whatever you wanted. Would that be good news? Yeah, I'd kind of like somebody to do that to me. The coming of Jesus is even better news than that. If I came to you tomorrow and said, I don't know, you're going to have a new house to live in. The coming of Jesus is even better news than that. Whatever news you can think of, the coming of Jesus is even better news than that. Jesus brings us good tidings of great joy, and we're down here celebrating.
0: I kind of like that horn
2: blowing because we're down here celebrating. Let's pray together. God, we give you thanks for bringing great joyous things to us. But most of all, we thank you for sending us Jesus to take care of us, to show us the way. Thanks for this good tidings of great joy. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Just so you can remember the great good tidings of great joy, we have almond joys. And you can have two under one condition. Joy is one of those things you share. You can have two if you share one. Are you going to share it? Okay. Are you going to share it? Are you going to share? Well, then you only get one. You have to promise you to share. You're going to share? Okay. Okay, you can have two if you promise to share. There you go. That's the spirit. Are you going to share? Okay. I hope I've got enough. Are you gonna share? Okay. Are you gonna share, Miss Maggie? Okay. You gonna share? Okay. Are you gonna share? All right. Are you gonna share? Okay. We're all gonna have to share. <laughs> there you go. Are you gonna share? I gotta have a definite yes. Sorry. Are you gonna share? Okay. And you two get to share. There you go. <laughs>
3: Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for that peace that you can give us. We pray that you'll give that in our world. We pray you'll give that in our individual lives because, Lord, there's so many who who are not at peace during this time because of all the things they think they have to do that are really not that important. And then those that are struggling with things in their lives that are important, but still can't find the peace that you can give. We pray you would be with them during this time as well. We pray with these tithes and offerings, knowing they're going to spread your kingdom's work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you so much choir for a wonderful, wonderful message and music It is a time for singing, isn't it? It's time to sing the wonders of Christmas. Our scripture reading for today comes from Matthew chapter three, verses one through twelve. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, For the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John wore clothing of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him. And all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of snakes who warned you to flee from the wrath to come bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor And with fire, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. One cold December Saturday, Professor Thomas Long, his teenage children, wanted to go into New York City to go Christmas shopping. They said the best bargains can be found in New York City. So Dr. Long agreed to take them and some of their friends, six teenagers in all, on a shopping trip to that great metropolis of a city. There they were, Dr. Long reflected, six kids marching through the sleeves of 42nd Street, wide eyed with curiosity and wonder, and yet trying their best to appear cool and nonchalant. Dr. Long was beginning to wonder if if it was such a good idea to allow these teenagers on their own in New York City. And just as I was anguishing about the risk I had taken, Dr. Long recalled, I heard the voice of a preacher. There behind me on a Times Square street corner was a preacher trying to proclaim the word of God. His appearance was about what one would expect. His eyes were searching wildly, his urgent voice screeching through a distorted five watt amplifier, his hands beckoning to the crowds which passed him by on his, by his asphalt pulpit. His message was not entirely lucid, but Even in its disconnections, you could you could feel him trying to get his words around the text and the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. Most people, of course, were passing him by. Some people stopped for a brief, curious stare. Even the hired Santa Claus, positioned several feet down the pavement, stopped to listen every once in a while. Many, A good many people smiled benevolently as they walked by, and a few of them even laughed out loud. One person asked him what he was on, but the preacher just kept saying, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We know something, my friends, this man reminds me a lot of John the Baptist. People might have looked at John the Baptist in much the same way that they looked at this Times Square street preacher. John wore a camel's hair coat and a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and honey. That was his diet His hair was long and matted, and and when the religious officials of his day came out to see him and to be baptized by him, he insulted them by calling them names. If you think about it, John the Baptist really seems to be kind of out of place in our Advent celebration, doesn't he? I mean, after all, tis the season to be jolly. And John is not the kind of personality that one normally thinks of. In association with jolliness. John the Baptist is just not the kind of person you would like to invite to your home for your holiday get together. And yet each year on the second Sunday of Advent, we meet up with John the Baptist. Because you see, it is John's task to help us get ready to meet the Messiah. That's what he's here to do to help us get ready. As a matter of fact, it would be very difficult for us to find our way to Bethlehem without the help of John the Baptist. Because you see, John is the one who points the way for us. The people were waiting for John the Baptist or someone like him for over 200 years. Centuries before, the prophet Isaiah spoke about the one who was to come. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. John was that man. And it was his task to lead the people to Jesus, the Messiah. Matthew says that people from all over Jerusalem and Judea were going out to him. They were responding to his message, his ministry. They were touched by what he had to say. And what I'd like to talk about for a few minutes this morning, as we prepare ourselves for the coming of Messiah, is John the Baptist's message. What is it that he exactly had to say? Well, first of all, John told the people to prepare the way of the Lord by straightening up their lives. Pastor James Harnish tells about buying a a home on a lake in Florida He said that the house had been vacant for over a year and the forces of nature had taken control. As a matter of fact, down by the lakefront, right beside the dock, a massive bramble bush had grown and its long twisting vines totally engulfed the earthbound end of the dock. It wasn't even possible to get past the bush and out onto the dock without being snagged by its thorns. And so on their first trip to the house, the harnesses cut the bramble bush back just enough to get out onto the dock. But finally, they realized that they could no longer postpone the inevitable. They had to cut it down entirely. And so they took the clippers and the hatchet and they began to cut the huge bramble bush down to the ground. But when they reached the ground, they discovered that the bramble bush had a strong and imposing root system. And so they hacked and they chopped and they pulled and they dug until they had cleared away as much as they possibly could. But finally, they realized that they would never be able to get all of the roots out. Well, Harnish reflected on this several years later when he said, I know that some of those roots are still there. And if I don't take the axe back to it from time to time, it will return trying to regain control of the shoreline. Folks, that story could be a parable told by John the Baptist. Because you see, John has come to tell us to clear away the overgrown clutter in our lives that overtakes us. The clutter that prevents us from being the people that Jesus wants us to be. And I know that Clearing out our lives is not a once-and-it's-done task. Instead, it's something that we must be constantly vigilant about as we prepare for Christ's coming. So John's call for us is to cut back those things that are holding us back. Straighten up those things that are crooked. Smooth out those things that are rough. He calls on us to prepare the way for Christ's coming by straightening out our lives. But more than that, John the Baptist also calls on us to make a drastic change in our lives. John's message was very simple, very to the point. He said, repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now to repent. Literally means to change the direction of our lives. In other words, instead of thinking only of ourselves, we need to think about the other people around us. To repent means to experience a change in our hearts and in our attitudes. It means to turn our lives completely around and and turn back to God. And the type of repentance that John was talking about here requires a radical change transformation of our lives. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here. It was 11 days before Christmas, but peace and goodwill were the farthest thing from the minds of about 200,000 Confederate and Union soldiers facing each other across a broad and blood-spattered battleground at Fredericksburg, Virginia. It was December 14th, 1862. Past few days had been terrible. Over 12,000 soldiers had already been killed in battle there. And about that time, 19-year-old Sergeant Richard Kirkland had seen enough. So Kirkland went to his Confederate general, Joseph Kershaw, and he said, General, I can't stand this anymore. All night and all day, I hear those poor, wounded Union soldiers calling out for water, and I can't stand it any longer. I ask permission to go and to give them some water. Well, General Kershaw was startled by this request, and then he just shook his head and he said, Sergeant I know what you mean here, but but you'd get a bullet through your head the moment you stepped over that stone wall. And Kirkland answered, yes, sir, I know that. But if you'd let me, I'm willing to try. And so the general said, son. The sentiment that prompts you is so noble that I will not refuse your request. God protect you. You may go. And so this young boy quickly hurtled over the wall and immediately he exposed himself to the the fire of every sharpshooter on the other side of the field. But Kirkland calmly walked toward the Union lines until he reached the nearest wounded soldier. And he knelt down. He took off his canteen and he gently lifted the enemy soldier's head and gave him a long, deep drink of cool, refreshing water. And he placed a knapsack under the head of his enemy and moved on to the next Racing against the shadows of a short December afternoon, he returned again and again and again. And the troops on both sides who had watched him paid young Richard Kirkland the supreme tribute. No, they did not stand up and offer him a hand of of applause, but rather it was a respectful and awed silence. My friends, to repent means to change our whole attitude towards others. It means to change from an attitude of suspicion or hatred or negativism to an attitude of love and acceptance and trust. And the message of John the Baptist is to repent, to change our ways because Jesus will be here soon. Finally, John the Baptist's message is also a call for us to awaken ourselves from, from our own smugness. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. It is so easy for us church folks, especially, to hear this biblical message to repent or to change our ways and to think that somehow it doesn't apply to us. Maybe we, maybe we think that the, the message to repent is only meant for those bad guys, those bad folks, not for the good, respectable folks who come to church every Sunday. But folks, I've got to tell you something. John's message is also meant for us. For us. It's a call for us to examine our own lives and to awaken ourselves From our own sense of smugness, Matthew tells us that even the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious officials of of the day, traveled out into the wilderness to see John and to be baptized by him. However, however, John, instead of treating them with courtesy and respect, was rather rude to them and said, you brood of vipers, you you bunch of snakes. But I want you to know that these were the respectable people of the day these were the people just like you and me but john wanted them to understand that his message of repentance was just as much as it uh, uh, for them as it was for any other sinner that was out there and in the same way john's message of repentance is just as much for us as it is for anybody else out there That's hard for us to hear sometimes, but it's true. Joe Pinnell describes a time when he led a Sunday school class that was studying this passage on John the Baptist. And Dr. Pinnell said that after he had given some background information and interpretation, he asked the class to to give me some help in preparing a sermon on the theme of repentance. He said, if you were in my place, what would you say to this church about repentance And he said that he was met only with blank, sheepish stares. And then finally, one person said, we are like the people of John's day. We're so close to it that we can't hear this message. Another person said, it's like preaching to the choir. Nobody listens because we've been conditioned to hear something else. And yet another person said, repentance is something we do in our corporate prayers, not something that we do In our hearts. As William Sloan Coffin once said, the church is full of people who are seeking that which they have already found and only want to become that which they already are. (laughs) And so who wants some wilderness preacher dressed up in camel skin coat and eating insects to come along and tell us that we need to change our lives? And just three weeks before Christmas at that. I mean, wouldn't it be better off to start this off with a New Year's? We can make all sorts of good New Year's resolutions. But but now, right before Christmas, I don't have time. i got too much to do. But folks, I want to tell you something. John's message is for us today. John is standing right before us, halfway to Christmas, telling us to prepare our lives for the coming of the Lord. And to prepare our lives means that we need to remove all those things that clutter our lives and prevent us from being the people that Jesus wants us to be. It means making some drastic changes in our lives right here and right now. And when we clear that clutter and make those changes and eliminate that smugness, then we will be able to discover the true meaning of what Christmas is all about. As a family with three boys were vacationing in France one Christmas, the father wrote, For five wretched days everything had gone wrong. He said, by the time Christmas Eve had had arrived, there was no Christmas spirit in our hearts. Besides, it was cold and it was raining and they went out to eat. and, And so they found a drab little restaurant that was shoddily decorated for Christmas. As they entered, they noticed that there were only five tables that were occupied. Two German couples, two two French families And an American sailor sitting by himself. In the corner, a piano player half-heartedly played some Christmas music. And on that Christmas Eve, no one in the restaurant seemed very happy. Customers were eating in silence. The young sailor was writing a letter. The waiter brought the wrong meal. And at another table, the children were misbehaving. It was one of those days when you, you just wish you'd never gotten out of bed. And then suddenly there was a, they were interrupted by a sudden blast of unpleasant cold air. And through the front door an old flower lady came in. She was wearing a worn out old coat that was dripping wet. She shuffled along in wet run down shoes and she went from table to table. Flowers, monsieur, only one franc. Nobody bought any. So finally she sat down weary from her work and she ordered a bowl of soup and she said, I haven't sold a flower all afternoon. The piano player replied that his tip jar was empty, too. It wasn't much of a Christmas feast that night, a bowl of soup. However, a moment later, the sailor got up from his table and he walked over to the flower woman and he smiled at her and picked up two corsages and, and said, Merry Christmas. How much are they? She said, two francs, monsieur." So he handed the woman a, a 20 franc note and she said, I don't have change. At which point the sailor leaned over and gave the woman a kiss on the cheek. And he said, this is my Christmas gift to you. One of the flowers he pressed flat and placed it in the letter that he had been writing and the other one he presented to the mother of the three boys, and then he left. Well, a few seconds later, Christmas exploded throughout that restaurant like a bomb. <laughs> the flower lady jumped up and she began to dance. The piano player began playing good King Wenceslas. The mother of three suddenly appeared 20 years younger and the Germans began singing in German and the French were singing in French and French. And, uh, and the Americans were singing in English. And to think that, that only a few moments before, 18 people had been having a miserable evening. And it all ended up being the happiest Christmas Eve that they had ever experienced. My friends, out in the desert, there's a voice of one who is calling to us, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And my friends, I want to tell you that if we do that, we too can have the best Christmas that we've ever had. So let's straighten up our lives and let us prepare for the Lord. Let's make those drastic changes that are necessary in our lives. And let us remember that John's message of repentance and preparation a message for you and me as well. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. Lord, send a revival. Number 468. There may be someone here today who needs to respond to the message of John the Baptist and to turn your lives around, to repent, to prepare for the coming of Messiah. To say, yes, I need to accept Jesus Christ in my life and I'm. I know that my life has not been the way it should be, and and I'm I'm ready and I'm willing to take a step towards cutting back those things that are holding me back, to getting rid of those things that are keeping me from being the person that, that Jesus wants me to be. That's the challenge that John the Baptist is offering you today, and it's the challenge that I offer you today. And I hope that you have done that, and if you haven't, I hope you'll do that today. We invite you to make that commitment to Christ as we sing together. We invite you to unite with our church as we sing together and become a a member of this fellowship as we seek to be the people of Christ. As we constantly hack away at those things that try to hold us back and try to be the people that God has called us to be. If God's dealing in your heart in any way today, we invite you to come as we sing together number 468. Lord send a revival. May the God of faithfulness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Jesus Christ, so that together we may all with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we go in the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of joy and peace and love and hope, and may that spirit guide us each day as we prepare for the coming of the Christ child in our hearts. And we pray this in Christ's name, our Lord and our Savior, our brother and friend. Amen.